Being pregnant is a shit excuse not to come see me. You're not special. People have babies every day. They squat in fields. I'm in prison. You get here or we're done. Hey. What's up, oh. Showstoppers? Howdy, everybody. Did I... Did I say showstoppers correctly? Did I say it kind of weird? I think I did. Were you meant to add more syllables into it? How'd you say it? I think I said so stoppers. Okay, like, well, um, it, it's in we there, are buddy. Both a TV and movie, um, like podcast, but also we talk about sewing sometimes. Yeah, so like stoppers. Or the show is so good <laughs> that mid sew, you can't help but lose track of your work and just focus yes. on our voices. The, the, that's true the conversation that is, is strong true. enough to pause sewers mid mid task yeah i mean and that takes a lot of effort because they're very focused yeah it's not something you have to pay um, a ton of attention to either it's kind of really great idle work <laughs> it is true yeah. i recently got a sewing machine as a oh matter of fact. good for you what's the idea there yeah i learned how i learned how to like hem a pair of pants and stuff very and, nice and like i'm in the i'm in the middle of making like a pair of sweatpants <laughs> that I'll probably never wear anywhere else besides inside of my home. What's the idea with the but sweatpants? Know, Have you picked like a theme? What's going on? Uh, I found the brightest orange fabric I could find in the fabric store. Uh -huh. And I brought them home and said, what am I going to do with this material? And I said, you know what? I'll make a pair of sweatpants. What am I guaranteed to wear about half the time I'm awake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweatpants. So uh, how long until you go full speed suit? How long until you're making super scientist jumpsuits with your bright orange color? <laughs> it's very, very far away, Corey. <laughs> I, look, um, no, I, I needed, look forward to it. This is great. I, I needed a little hobby, you know, like a little craft. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll do this little craft. There you go. Um, And it's been okay. It's been okay. My mom <laughs> is very excited that I'm sewing stuff. She very much likes to sew. As well so she should be. And did she see the one coming yeah. at all? Was she like, did she play a role in encouraging you to do it? Or is this something you arrived at? Definitely. Naturally? Oh, okay, great. No, Mary Mary definitely played a strong role in encouraging me to uh, pursue this hobby. So thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've been living off the I've I've been living off the fat of the land of my mom's sewing habit for my entire life. Oh. She, yeah, she my mom is an expert quilt maker and she makes afghans and she's made several beautiful little uh little little floor mats for me dedicated to my hobbies oh. and interests movies and music and yeah shouts out to all the moms who sew out there lost art you know what keeping it up our moms our moms would get along very I, well i i've i've thought this for years <laughs> absolutely so this is yeah. this is the start of the petition 2022 get kathy and mary in the same room as one another uh, it's gonna happen do you think if we just like picked a book for for our moms to read they could just like do that over skype or something and become best friends yes oh my gosh i think if they even just talked about quilting yeah absolutely. they would just fall in love with one another can you just like hook moms <laughs> up these days can you just suggest that two moms across the country from one another well they're really only a few states apart aren't they can you yeah, just suggest states, that yeah. two moms just like hang out like just like bro down yeah i mean I think my mom would love it. So we have now decided that we're going to set our moms up on a friend. That's exactly right. And what better project sewing. to celebrate this day in particular, Jesse? <laughs> Jesse, what are we what are we celebrating today? <laughs> um, I think we might regret saying this, but it is International <laughs> Women's <Hey>. Day. <laughs> Shouts Happy out to all the Women's ladies day. out there. 
mom or yes. not, relative or not. Ladies are doing it for themselves, <laughs> and we love it. Congratulations, ladies. Absolutely. Well done to all of you. You're all- women. <laughs> Congrats to all of our ladies and ladies out there. We see you. We love you. Yes, we we love you very much, and it's a very special day for all the amazing reasons that uh, women are in this world. So, um, that said, we are going to talk about a lot of women today. We certainly are. Um, <laughs> so this is a great little transition but before we dive in like really one of the reasons we got to this place where we were like what should we talk about today is like well we've been watching some tv or mm-hmm. mostly i've been watching some tv and i think Correct. we should talk about these things um so i want to know Corey, what have what have you been watching what have been your tv binges as of late less than ever before jesse i gotta tell you really so yeah so you um, you kind of screwed this show over a few months ago without realizing what you had done. Do you under, uh, you know what I'm really? getting at right now? Yeah. So no. um, a few months ago, around the around Christmas Day, um, I spent some time babysitting for the Lynn Grossmans at their place while they were away uh-huh. um, and uh, left as a Christmas gift for me and a thank you for uh, taking the time to dog sit. I was left with a Kindle Paperwhite, was I not? Oh, right. You were. Jesse Lynn gave me a <laughs> beautiful gift i had just dropped the hit that i had started back into reading it a little bit i was reading off of my phone which was killing my battery she left me this beautiful device that i have spent <laughs> hours and hours with ever since uh i really that's yeah, amazing absolutely so i read four of the the last four of the dark tower series books by stephen king i finally finished that series recently went right into a couple of his other short stories and novels i've been reading up a storm lately which has taken a lot of time away from television my tv watching has gone fallow over the last couple of months uh just uh to make space for this new thing that's brought me a lot of zen and quietude and kind of peace in my heart uh over the last couple of months that's so cool thank you very much i love that that. well you you did it i just gave you a vehicle um (laughs) the, the cool thing about reading is that like you get to make all of these these images happen for yourself. So that is really a fun part of it. But I often find that I can't replace television for reading. So it sounds like you have been able to do that over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I've just like, I've kind of forced myself to pick up one rather than the other. And also like there haven't been, I mean... I, I stopped watching Euphoria because I was kind of over it at this point. It wasn't really mm. winning me over the season. And then like TV kind of went away by and large. The Righteous Gemstones was really great. That's a nice, reliable little comedy every Sunday night. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, really like nothing was, you know how you, you rediscover a hobby and nothing else will do because you found that yeah. scratching this very particular itch in your brain is bringing you a relief that you haven't known in a long time. So TV is my first and greatest love. It will always be there for me. Hello, TV. I love you. However, (laughs) I have been more than happy to replace it over the last few months for something that I didn't think my brain could do anymore. Uh, So Hmm. uh, thank you for helping me discover that I had not gone completely brain damaged because of COVID and quarantine, uh, but rather that I just should expect more of myself in my time off and am allowed to do it whenever I I want. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I have been reading... The Children of Blood and Bone. Oh, how's that? Of this series, I it's don't quite know that I have. good. Uh, it was recommended to me uh, by a coworker, and I was like, "Okay, I'm all about it." Um, and it's very good. 
and I'm listening to the audiobook. Now, here's a question for you. Yeah, sure. Are you an audiobook person? Like, have, can you do that? I've never listened to an audiobook before. Um, I, <gasps> I imagine I could. Um, okay, so here, to circle back to something you mentioned before, um, my big hobby with reading is just adapting the film version in my head while I do it. So exactly. that's that's part of the whole excitement for me. And if there is another voice intruding on that, that that I feel like could take away something from that because everything else is mm-hmm. mine and it's kind of this personal experience. Um, but I, I listen to podcasts 24 seven like why I have no problem with this. I've just never pursued one before. Yeah. So for me, my big problem, I really like to listen to uh, autobiographical audiobooks. So like someone who wrote their their book about themselves um, and reads their own book, like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey did that. I loved like hearing their story in their own voices. So that's really fun. And I find listening to biographies is quite easy to do via audiobook. But when I am listening to a fictional story with like heavy plot lines and like lots of different changes or different character voices or whatever, I find a, a much harder time making sure that I'm focusing on that in an audiobook setting. But if I'm reading it, yeah. I'm so focused on it. I'm creating that moment. So this is the first. I was recommended to me to listen to it via audiobook. Um, so that's why I wanted to do that. But I think I I will generally get more out of reading reading than uh, an audiobook. Yeah, I think it's just because reading has never like – Like my reading exists when I am at home or when I'm on the train between work and home Mm -hmm. either way. If I'm at work, even on a break or something, I'll I'll try to pick up the book. I can't focus at all. So I imagine an audiobook would be great for those particular settings where I don't have to completely occupy my body, my brain, and my eyes on that thing. Right. Uh, But yeah, anyway, uh, reading's fun and fundamental. Anything else you've been up to lately, Jesse? Any other TV that's been catching your Uh... eye? Well, uh, I did. I have started to watch uh, Love is Blind season two for all of the reality television fans out there. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. <laughs> that's been a big hit uh, yep, and yep, yep. definitely a fun one to talk about. Uh, the crazy people that decide to do this and then also um, how crazy they are once they've made a decision uh-huh. and can't actually commit to it. Pretty great. Great reality TV. Survivor comes back tomorrow. So that's exciting. Ooh. So what are they where are they this year? Oh, they're always in um they're always in Fiji now. Oh, really? when did that start? Has that been for many, many seasons mm. now? Yeah, they've really just gone back to that location. I guess if it ain't broke, huh? Um Yeah. And then and then I got into so um Julian Fellows, I'm a big fan of sure. Downton Abbey fame. <laughs> um there have been a a lot of advertisements for the show. <laughs> The Gilded Age. <laughs> yeah, what about it? Yeah, I mean, like, it's very visually appealing, right? Like, who doesn't want to watch a period piece? Uh, <laughs> I want to watch a period piece for sure. That's definitely right up my alley. So, and plus, I was a huge Downton Abbey fan. Did you watch Downton Abbey? Did we talk about this? No, I've seen a few episodes. Um, I yeah. it's it's firmly in the camp of like, well, that's not for me. Um, I, I really like admired it and it was very austere and kind of well-written and performances were really good. It's just like never really uh, hooked me uh, like it has so many mm. others. And I got to imagine like when I see a show that's that is well-produced, that looks really beautiful and obviously is has a lot of intention behind it and I just can't seem to get into it, uh, then it's just not me. Fair is fair. I'm glad everyone's having fun yeah. out there. You know what I mean? 
But are you a period drama guy? And like you, like you wouldn't necessarily seek out a period drama. Oh, but not necessarily. But I mean, it depends on the period and it depends on the material. I mean, like my favorite show of all time is Deadwood, which is set in this almost the exact same time mm-hmm. period as the Gilded Age, just in the Black Hills, except instead of Manhattan, right? So interesting. I'm an anything person uh, if the material itself hooks me, and I think, and obviously, like to be perfectly frank, if it like is passed through all these like aesthetic filters that that work with my particular brain and taste if it passes all these tests by my brain and i can say yeah i'm in i love it um but yeah are are we ready to dive into the gilded age my friend yeah let's like talk about it for a second because i think that it's an interesting one because i'm coming off of the extreme high that was downton abbey and expecting a lot from right this show Um, and when, when I saw the first couple of previews, I was like, all right, like this could definitely be a new take on this kind of genre I really like. Um, so this show is obviously set in, you guessed it. That's right. The Gilded Age. Uh (laughs) Um, and this is a, a period of time of expansion in the United States, specifically in like the Northeast and, um, really building up their... (laughs) <laughs> money and wealth That's and true. Uh, all of those things and like trains are a cool thing <laughs> <laughs> and electricity uh, uh-huh. it's a crazy time trains, age, right? petticoats mustaches, large pipes <laughs> beautiful women who can't speak in public, it's got it all <laughs> part of the Statue of Liberty is represented in this show <laughs> It is true. One hand, Statue of Liberty. Uh, So, and and it's got, uh, I wouldn't say a star-studded cast, but there are a few stars. So we've got Christine Baranski, we've Mm -hmm. got Cynthia Nixon, we've got Meryl Streep's daughter, whose name I can't remember (laughs) at this moment in time. Her name is Louisa Uh, Jacobson. That's right. Thank you, Louisa Jacobson. Uh, And we've got one of our favorites, uh, flashback here to our episode. Episode one, Baby. Fargo episode one. Um, that is episode one. That's Holy right. smokes, that's amazing! Uh, but Carrie Coon is uh, the the lead or one of the leads right. of this ensemble cast, and uh, I I think you know where I'd really want to talk about the Gilded Age is a couple of places. First about performances, and then maybe secondarily about. Does the show work? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. And, uh, so, in terms, I of, think it's still a question that I have. To be honest, sure. I I I don't have that question any longer. We'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> uh, I have I have my mind made up. Um, but yeah, performances. So to zoom back to what you said, like, uh, this is a particularly star-studded cast. If you are particularly connected to the New York theater scene, right? Um, and I was kind of yes, excited. Definitely. I was very excited for you in particular to have the show in the world because you're a very New York theater person. And I know there are a lot of people here with whom you are probably much more familiar than I am. Or if we're as familiar, you're, we have completely different touch points for that person probably. Sure. Um, like, I don't know Christy, Christine Baranski from the stage. I know her from television. I know her from bits, parts, and sitcoms throughout the 90s and early 2000s. And I love her very dearly. But what was your take on the... Let's take everyone from Broadway of note from the past like 20 years and put them in a TV show. Did that work for you? Um, I think there are 
So, I, oh God, I would say the short answer is probably no, it didn't work for me. Nope. Um, because I think something about theater actors is that it, it's very dramatic. Uh, and obviously the Gilded Age is a very different time, but, um, you know, they probably still didn't quite have the flair <laughs> that these actresses and, and actors are bringing to the stage. Um, and this should be a play, right? Like there maybe there is something very theatrical about it that might work better uh, on, on a stage as opposed to yes. on, on camera. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you condensed an episodic show into an hour and a half, you've got yourself a great little play. Right. Um, but, it, you know, there is something I think that makes it a little bit harder to digest when all of these very dramatic and wonderful actors uh, are trying their um, trying their hand at you know bringing this to life. So you've got your Kelly O'Hara, uh -huh. you've got your Christine Bransky. Cynthia Nixon is a very uh, dramatic actress as opposed to a musical actress. Yeah. So I, I actually <laughs> I, I I go back and forth on Cynthia Nixon's character as Me too. to whether I like it or <laughs> dislike it. Uh -huh. um, she plays a character called Ada Brooke, uh, and she is sort of a, um, a quote unquote like meek, uh, like a meek woman right. uh, who lives with her sister, uh, who maybe has lived under her sister's um, regime or coattails or whatever you want to call it, uh -huh. uh, and is trying to define things uh, for herself, but like maybe wasn't ever very successful. Uh, and she has this voice uh, <laughs> Does that's she just ever. fascinating. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know if, if I like it, but I also like it sometimes. So it's very different for Cynthia Nixon. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of fun to see her flexing different muscles. I, I, I uh, thought it was too. I think Cynthia Nixon is one of the performances that works for me in this show. I'm not sure why that you is. You like it. I do like it. Yeah. Because I think it is, uh, she is hard to pin down as a character, which makes her compelling to me uh, because she does, and it could just be lack of consistency in the writing, uh, of which there, I think there is plenty in this show. Um, <laughs> but I she kind of waffles between uh, her strength kind of ebbs and flows when she's out of the, the eyeshadow shot of Bransky, um, who yeah. they could do more with in this show. Uh, Honestly, with both of these two <laughs> with both of these to be women. honest with you. And when she's out of eye shot there, uh, she, she regains some of her strength and some of her resiliency and some of her gumption, which I think is great. And she's a really good shepherd for um, Meryl Streep's daughter, uh, to <laughs> whom this show is doing very mean things um, and asking <laughs> her to go outside of her depth, which is kind of quite rude. Um, but I, I like Cynthia Nixon in this, and she doesn't always work for me, but I think she's good um but it's it's almost everybody else uh who, who does not work for me um either mm. because i think their performances are uh, mismatched for being on television uh for the subject matter if, yeah. they're, if they're given like really clunky writing clunky on the nose writing it lacks sort very of the like the at home elegance of julian fellow's previous work of which i've seen very little um it's, it's no but it's spot on for with the interpretation right? right like there was something very natural about the the downton abbey british 
like uh, aristocracy. Yes. Um, and you can take. tell that, that and, he knows it like the back of his hand and it's very fluid yeah. and it's not filled with the like the clunkiest metaphors and like history lessons for seven year olds. And, um, and, <laughs> and yes, like Thomas Edison. <laughs> right. I will. I will say that this show is brave enough to say that uh, racism is bad and we shouldn't do it. Thank you very much. The it's, true. Age. Um, it's true. It's uh, true. That was maybe <laughs> one of the more uh, interesting scenes. Right. Like. <laughs> uh, if we're gonna call call it that, um, so wait, let's talk about let's Carrie Coon for going. a minute. What do you what do you make of her performance well, here? Her performance is fine. It's just when you have a, a titanic talent like Carrie Coon, our great. Well, okay, uh, it's between her and Elizabeth Moss uh, to to see who's our greatest TV actress, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you you have an absolute all star franchise player like her who could carry so much more than they give her to work with. And I've seen mm. five of the six episodes that are available on HBO Max right now. You've seen six at this point, right? Yeah, I've, I saw the last one, yeah. So she could do this in her sleep, as could Christine Baranski, as could Michael Cerveris, former star of Sweeney Todd, who plays a member of The Help. There are so many people in this show who are given so little to work with um, mm -hmm. that it makes the parts they do get unsatisfying, which makes me feel like their performances don't work, which is such like malpractice uh, in the eyes of the talent that they have. And, and obviously the exorbitant amount of money they had to produce this show. Yes, clearly quite a lot of money. Although I do have a bone to pick. Go for it. When you clearly have so much money, that opening fucking scene with that weird like water, uh, like what was that? Not good. Uh, it was like CGI stupidness. Um, <laughs> like it was just totally unnecessary. Right, they were trying right. to do something big and grand that didn't need to be there. <laughs> it's an it's an own goal. It's a, it's an unforced error. Like it they didn't yes. have to be there. And I, I you know what's weirdly uh, about the show. I, I like when they go outside because there is a lot of dodgy CGI, but being outside in some semi-natural lighting, even if the backgrounds are not rendered beautifully, um, at least it fixes, I think, one of my biggest problems with just focusing on the show, which is the lighting of this show. Uh, anytime they're yeah, it's very inside, bright, right? very bright, or it's really flat, there's no like contour or dimension to the lighting. Mm. So you can tell that they've spent millions and millions of dollars and hired extraordinarily talented uh, production designers, set decorators, and especially costume designers. And whenever yeah, they're indoors, absolutely. there's this like straight to Netflix, like just yes, dead ahead yes. bright lighting that just flattens all the contours of everything that we're looking at. There's no reflectivity. There's no depth of focus. There's no just dimensionality to the things we're looking at on the screen. And it becomes this like kind of washed out gray plank that we're looking at. Um, yeah. And it, it just, it there, there's so much money and so much work that goes into a production like this. And and to not do the barest essentials of cinema, which is point lights in the right <laughs> direction at the thing that you spent so much time on, I, I don't understand it. I my, my best guess, and it occurred to me today, is like, they're trying to build as many seasons of this thing as they can get away with. I think I'm as not possible. sure. There's an yeah. I'm not sure there's an end date inside here. So whatever the it's already been renewed for season two. Already you been know. renewed, and whoever directs the first episode of the series gets 
gets paid for every subsequent episode because they help to inform the the aesthetic content of the show. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that they can't much deviate from that uh, going forward to, so as not to alienate the audience or uh, or they don't want to set too high a bar for themselves to try to clear for the remainder yeah. of whatever seasons they produce. If it's if it's laziness and competence, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't, it, it looks like shit. And I'm sorry to say it, it just doesn't look good. It's not fun to look at. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, sort of going back to com the comparison here, uh, the opposite can be said, you know, I'm obviously a big Downton Abbey fan, Go so you it. may have a different opinion if you ever watched it. It works but, like, better it is, in Downton Abbey. It is mm -hmm. gorgeous. Yeah. Like, those scenes are gorgeous. It places you in, uh, in a very romantic setting where here I, I do feel incredibly disconnected from sure. all of those pieces that you that you spoke about. And I'll tell you, the, um, the, it, if it's a BBC production in England, they have less money than HBO has for every project, yes, regardless of the prestige. And if you give a project more money than they need to accomplish it it tends mm -hmm. to make it worse because they tend to do a bunch of unnecessary shit to make good on their budget so they get the same budget next season uh, and to justify cost when ingenuity comes out of desperation and a lack of resources yes. uh, so I can I can see that in, in Downton Abbey there's this beautiful grain to it and you can tell it was uh, if not shot on film because I don't believe it is it's shot in a way that mimics the film stock of like uh, the last of the summer wine or something like that some uh -huh. old like air rear on PBS uh, British melodrama it has kind of a texture to it that I really like a lot more in this particular one yeah I think there are two performances I like more than most and Go I think it. those would be the Russells oh, so yeah. Carrie Coon obviously and yeah. Morgan Spector uh, who plays her husband the I devil. think are maybe the yeah. highlight yes exactly <laughs> the highlight performances for me um so uh, I think I think I think well yeah I'd love to hear like what do you think about uh, Spectre's performance? I think here? he's good. I think he's really hammy. I think he might be in a different he's television show than everybody else is in, <laughs> or or he's maybe the only one who's in the correct who's television. In the right, television right, exactly. Show. Yes. If yeah. if things had been pitched at Morgan Spectre level, this would be a lot more fun. Um, yes. So I, I dig him. I think he's good. I think he's the only one acting appropriately for the the caliber of the production and the uh, the writing here. Um, I really uh -huh. like. Um, I I made my little nickname in our little uh, Squadcast channel, uh, Baranski's Mean Gay Son, because I think he's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's fun. <laughs> he's quite good. Who? Wait, what's his? What's that motherfucker's name? Blake Ritson. Thank you very much, Blake Ritson. Very Oscar good. Oscar Van Ryan. And that's yes. maybe a bit of a layup. Just be the caddy, like the one caddy gay guy in yeah, Gilded yeah, Age yeah, Manhattan. Yeah. Excellent shit. Like it's it's just just you gotta hit it off the tee. And he does. He knocks it out of the park. I Good do I do like um Danae Benton who plays Peggy Scott. I think Lovely. there's some there's there's a little more depth there, I think, to her performance. Mm -hmm. Uh and let's just like get to it here. Uh <laughs> Louisa Jacobson is very bad. <laughs> Quite <laughs> bad. She's not good in the show. So we've had <laughs> we've had a similar conversation to this one previously. Um, I I'm quite fond of uh, Keanu Reeves. I know that you have complicated mm -hmm. feelings about the man, but we once I had do. a conversation on this show about what was the uh, the period piece that he was in way back in the day. 
uh, much ado about nothing. Thank you, thank you. And I said, you said it, it was a, a, trem- a tremendously awful performance, and I, I couldn't have agreed more. But our rationale for that was completely different. I thought it was malpractice to have cast Keanu fucking Reeves in that movie. Um, <laughs> that was my take on it. I think casting her in this show is rude. I, I think it's mean yes. to put a girl on television who is in over her head, and, and most especially when she's in a room with Christine fucking Baranski. Like exactly. It, She's so overshadowed by Cynthia Nixon and Christine Moransky. It's insane. And yes, um, gosh, I mean, she I did a little research on all of Meryl Streep's daughters. She has four, I think. Uh And um, uh, some of them have been in great shows like Newsroom and um, lots of different other other things and have had some really nice performances. I think that this is a. A big problematic one. And Louisa Jacobson is a, a model by trade. And sure. man, her waistline in the show was incredible. <laughs> so I could definitely understand where, you know, why that is her background. But, um, and she's beautiful. She looks beautiful, beautiful in all yep. of the clothes. Yep. Um, and she she holds herself well. I think the problem is, is uh, her her acting depth just is, is not there. Um, it's not there. And it's, it's, it's not her fault. <laughs> either uh it's, it's yeah like, they shouldn't have cast her in <laughs> no. this role it's it's mean um and, and they she's never not in a scene with someone who's being like generous and kind of encouraging i think <laughs> i think all the actors that she's bounced off against are are doing their best to kind of like play at the same level and stuff like that it's just it's rude to have cast her in this and i think when you put her next to danae benton uh who plays peggy um the the one black woman who's allowed to be on this show uh she <laughs> it's so weird to see someone like Danae Benton who's perfect for the lead role in this fucking show and should yes. have been given the show uh if okay so another another problem with this right so i mentioned earlier that these are like history lessons for grade schoolers um this is like the worst kind of pandering to liberal sensibilities in a lot of ways it's like just like lessons to make white people feel better and more progressive about themselves i think um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but had the I show totally see that yeah. but, like because a part of the show focuses on danae bitten's struggle as a young black woman in post-war new york um struggling to make a career for herself as a writer as a naturally uh talented writer um who butts up against the powerful white men in charge of the writing game and struggles mm-hmm. to have her own voice known and those episodes are written by an old white man who did not give that job to a young black woman um yep. so there's just there there's a con the a contradiction there that that doesn't quite square with me um but had the show been set around Danae Benton who's given a really wonderful performance and radiates this kind of natural light and energy and kind of like well she's radiant but she's also like doing a lot she's given the show a lot of energy a lot of depth had the show been focused around this young black woman trying to make her own very particular way in New York while all of this nonsense with the rich people what's happening in the background I would <laughs> uh-huh. like that show more I agree entirely I think that's such a good point because the like the most um uh, the most 
interesting things that have happened so far have happened with her character. Like the family scenes yeah. with her are so much more interesting than any of the other ones that yeah. we have we have seen. Get Audrey McDonald uh, back on the goddamn screen. That's just like absolutely. TV dynamite. Like the world's most beautiful <laughs> woman given like a, a he was like extremely captivating from moment one. Just like why is yes. she not on the screen more? What are you doing? Yeah, it seems like it has many Many flaws. <laughs> um, uh, Time for I think, section two. Does this show work yes. for you? <laughs> Does this show work for me? I think the short answer is is no. In no. in reality, um, and you know, do, do I think I will continue to watch? Probably for the sake of knowing where the plot goes, but. Uh, I, it doesn't hold a candle to its predecessor. Right. Uh, Julian Fellows seem to seems to have really dropped the ball. Maybe or it's out of his have... depth. Or like HBO came knocking and said, here's $1 billion. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Although this show has been in the works forever. Like Julian Fellows, the moment Downton Abbey ended, says I'm writing a show that takes place in America about the okay. Gilded Age, right? And so you can't say that just after this successful show and then um, come out with with this after many, many years of building. And I think the other bone to pick I have with Julian is that um, he has, t he, he wrote two movies for post Downton Abbey about okay. Downton Abbey. So, so there was a, uh, the first Downton Abbey movie and the second one is about to come out in May. Uh, the second, the first one was absolutely atrocious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the second one, um, I just have this feeling is going to follow in those footsteps. Okay. Uh, sure. Is it fun to be with these characters? Do you love seeing these beautiful uh, right. sets and pieces of scenery? Absolutely. Um, and I think that is the piece that will, will maybe keep me going in the Gilded Age as I'm just curious about where where it will go. Sure. Um, will it get better? Is just the, is this the first season blues? But I think, unfortunately, the short answer is is probably not. But I'm curious enough to find right. out. And I, I don't know that like they've earned. I I will not continue watching this show. I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm fully out on the Gilded Age. Um, but this what a great time period to set a show in like what a fertile yeah. what a fertile ground to kind of grow your garden in um i i just so think we're inviting of, those who have a better idea yes exactly how to approach it if someone would like to, to grab the wheel hastily from julian fellows and do a uh, like 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 end of season one of the leftovers burn the town to the ground and start over um <laughs> if you if you would like to take a crack at that be our guest um I don't know. I, I just don't. You know what kept occurring to me throughout watching the first five episodes was like this. Uh, it's not that we're following the people who basically played the largest part in creating the evil economy and, and society we have to live in in New York. Uh, mm -hmm. Who are yes. most directly responsible for all the shitty segregation laws and the complete immiseration of all people of color in the city and all poor people for that matter uh, of any stripe. Mm -hmm. um, it's that the show kind of admires them a little bit because they founded the Red yeah. Cross at the same time. It's like... <laughs> What a weird plot line. What yes. a fucking weird thing. It's like they like they had to like give us a spoonful of sugar. Um but we we reviewed Succession extraordinarily favorably very recently. And that's a portrait mm -hmm. of the people who are currently profiting off of that same system and emboldening that system to continue to the further maintaining the status quo of a broken America. But mm -hmm. you know what Succession mm -hmm. is? It's fucking funny and fun to watch. Um 
Yeah. It's uh, and this should be that it should be funny and fun to watch, but it's not. There's like barely a laugh and like in the entire show. (laughs) Yeah, if if you think the the struggle of these women should be well, the the these women are struggling against the patriarchy, a problem that exists until this day and has been largely unchanged by forces of the world. Um, and what they should be pursuing is uh, replacing the men at the levers of capital and this destructive economic system that makes makes grinds poor people into into a hamburger patty um and we should think that's good uh, right there, there, and instead we are flaw. glorifying let me do everything i can to grovel to society so that they accept me as opposed to doing exactly what you just said you know <laughs> uh it's it's so sad to see. <laughs> but also it does, like you said, illustrate so many challenges with the world that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. In in a way that sheds no light on it, offers no solution, and has nothing interesting to say about it. So I mean yeah. I did I did I did not expect you to not like the show as much as I didn't like the show. So I'm really I'm, that's I'm really saying, funny. I'm sort of glad we're sympathetic because there were a lot of aesthetic reasons why I thought you would better gravitate to this. I thought I may have been like missing something and maybe I was focusing no. too much on uh, like on, on quibbly bits of this that didn't work for me. Um, but I'm glad to see that I've been validated. I'm not crazy. Bad yeah, show. From that very first episode on those stupid waves and the <laughs> stupid water, I was like, no, something. there's something wrong with this. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, the Gilded Age will go in our, you know, watch if you want, I guess, uh, pile. Um, but not one that we will continue to season after season. Because no. inevitably, that will likely happen. Although maybe maybe they'll figure out what they're doing and they won't give it a season three. So we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> I, I don't I, it's hard to tell it's hard to kind of gauge like what reaction has been hbo doesn't share their numbers which is very wise like streamers probably shouldn't it's a better business model but like are people enjoying this have you had conversations with people who are just like i can't wait till the next episode of the show comes out are they uh, what's no. the word on the street jess well first of all i'm probably the only person i know who's watching the show right um right. because i did have such a tie to it i had a draw to it right so i wanted to to check it out yeah, uh, but I, I really have not I've not heard of anybody else watching it. Um, nope. I'll tell you one thing that this show has really made me appreciate. And that is the city that we live in yeah, because beautiful. these yep. beautiful mansions that were built during the Gilded <laughs> Age that were single family homes are now <laughs> um, incredible apartments or um, right. libraries like the Morgan Library was a fucking Gilded Age single family home. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, now it's a beautiful library, but I just can't, like, I imagine that New York in that setting was just insane to see come to life in that way. Um, just so much, like, almost disgusting amount right. of wealth um, to build these homes and live in. And, uh-huh. um, but I do appreciate the, uh, the beautiful the beautiful buildings that it brought to our city like it is pretty incredible yeah as a cultural project it's not insignificant it's it's cool no. to see like we alluded to it earlier that the like the 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 pilot episode of the statue of liberty was in washington square park for a time <laughs> it was like uh th- there are some really cool like did you knows about the city going on in the background there uh and as a cultural project it's not without its merits i, I, sp- I did spend a lot of time on wikipedia during episodes of this Same. show just say like okay yeah. what's what's the fucking deal with that that's cool 
cool. Um, but then like if, if, if everything else doesn't work, it's just like, okay, I could read Wikipedia without your permission. I could just go on there and I, <laughs> exactly. I can, I can Google the asters whenever I want to and see what they're up to. Without yeah. you spending millions of dollars. on <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about what's his face. <laughs> Who? Um, uh, Nathan Lane. Which oh, is... this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was also there. Um, yes, he was. Uh, anyways, I don't even think we need to talk about him that much. I, I think Nathan we're Lane's... moving on from the Gilded yeah, Age. But... Yeah, let's let's get out of here. Like, like if you can't say anything nice, uh, well, it's it, say whatever you want to. Free kind of, who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, bad show. Let's we do, on. so. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, we have to take a minute to tell you about something, okay? So we wanted to start this podcast for like how many years, Corey? Uh, uh, at least one, maybe a little bit more. At yeah. least one, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and we could not have done it without a really important app called Anchor. That's right. Uh, Anchor is your one-stop shop to creating a podcast, okay? Yeah, no, it, it does all the hardest parts of this for you. It doesn't make it make the show for you, but once you're on Anchor, you're basically distributed to every major disbursement point of podcasts. Yeah, that was the platform. easiest part. You just yeah. started on Anchor, you distribute everything there, it automatically uploads everything, yeah. you can edit at any time, it shows you how many listeners you have, it's free. Yeah. It's awesome. The and analytics are extremely helpful too, because exactly. like, it's encouraging to see uh, the number of people listening, where they are in the world, what it might mean to them. How else would we know we had a listener in Puerto Rico? Absolutely. Shouts out to the person in Puerto Rico listening to this. Also, shouts out to the person in South Korea listening to this. Hell yeah. Likely for the Parasite episode. We see you, bud. Thank yes, you. Yes, we see you. Thank you. But all this to say, if you would like to start a podcast, we would highly recommend using Anchor. Uh, and you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started uh, and again it's so easy you can even record your podcast right within the anchor website or the app uh, so you can do it on the go which is great so download it right bye. now bye <laughs> we don't care what anyone thinks uh, um, what's next but Jesse. the next show that caught my attention so jason and i sort of had this like we're kind of binging. Uh, it was like a day off um, uh, during the week. And so we were kind of binging through some really interesting pieces that we've been wanting to watch. Sure. So we watched, uh, what did we start with? Um, the Tinder Swindler. Sure. Did you watch that? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> worth the watch. It is a documentary um, about uh, this guy who swindles women out of their uh -huh. money after meeting them on Tinder. Okay. Fascinating. Sure. Um, then we watched uh, the show about, um, just came out with a Hulu show about her, uh, Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, Elizabeth with the Holmes, blood yeah. system. Yeah, I cannot so, wait to get started on the dropout. Yeah, that that one I've too. been uh, I've been focused on for a long time. I have not gotten to it because I had to watch a bunch of the fucking Gilded Age this weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that I can't wait to watch that. Um, I like Amanda Seyfried a lot, so I'm excited to see her in that role. Um, sure. But we watched the HBO documentary. Mm. Um, about that story, which is also very good. So we were very sort good. of on this documentary kick and we were kind of like, huh, isn't that uh, Inventing Anna show like about this like German heiress person who like hmm. swindled people about out of a bunch of money? And we were <laughs> yep. like, yeah, so like, let's turn that on. So we started watching it. 
So I will also preface this, right? Like similar to Downton Abbey, Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) Yeah, I love her. (laughs) I love some Shonda Rhimes television. I still watch Grey's Anatomy. I watch How to Get Away with Murder. I never watched Scandal. um, But uh, I am a Shonda Rhimes fan. I get it, Uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she just has got a little hook. She's got mm-hmm. something. Um, and Inventing Anna is no different. It's very much in the vein of like, yes, this is probably bingey, grossy television, but I love it. Um, and I think where Inventing Anna caught me, where Gilded Age could not, is that it yeah. just told this fascinating story uh, of this crazy person who Mm -hmm. or or maybe very smart person i don't know it's hard to say uh but inventing anna is about this uh this person uh named anna surikin who moves to new york uh tells everyone she's a german heiress uh, and continues to spend a lot of money without actually having a lot of money and basically tricks people in thinking she's part of the social elite um it's so it's so bizarre. Uh, so we watched the actual documentary um, around her first, uh, and then we switched over to the fictionalized television show by Shonda Rhimes, or, or in right. partnership with Shonda Rhimes. So uh, you have been watching, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there too. Um, yeah, so I haven't seen as much of this show, but I will probably continue to watch this show because you know what this show really? is? It's a fucking good time, Jesse. Uh, yes, I, it's a good time. Thank you. <laughs> I have my complaints about this show. I was texting you about a lot of those last night. I'm sorry to have bothered you like that. Um, but this show, this show is a lot of fun. And this story story of, uh, of Anna Sorokin and Adelvi, uh, as we came to know her, uh, really captured my mind at the time it was out. I was consuming a lot of Anna Delvey content because it's really fucking fascinating. And I... Yeah, so you said you were following at the time the story was coming yeah. out. So I was not. I had no, I had no tabs on this. So what For was... Sure. Well, what was going on? It, it was just a socialite heiress thing. So prior to the article came out that served as inspiration uh, uh, for this entire show, uh, and and the, the story is largely centered on this article being written, um, it was just it was all over my social media. Everyone was fascinated by this, and this might be because like I've 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 deliberately followed people who are fascinated by the same shit as I am. This is the the, the, <laughs> the echo chamber of social media, but my particular feed was all Anna Delvey all the time, and the world seemed to have been totally captivated by this young woman. And the the kind of the meta narrative following all of this uh, from from people uh, that I agree with is that fucking go Anna. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Um, if, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so I think, okay, so here's my hot take on these two shows we're covering today. They are both about how young women achieve social mobility in a world dominated by high finance and and men. Um, and I think while uh, the Gilded Age's approach and the what they consider to be ostensibly honorable as a means of achieving (laughs) power and equity among the sexes um, fucking sucks. And you should just be a con artist and grifter. You should just be a fucking scammer. And I think it's much more honorable what Anna Sorokin did than anything I've seen the young women do on the Gilded Age so far. This is my (laughs) hot take. Uh, I love that hot take. (laughs) 
like uh, say what you will about her as a person she's um uh, uh she's antisocial maladjusted certainly uh probably a bad person <laughs> uh but she did target the most useless people on earth and steal a bunch uh-huh. of money from them uh and <laughs> leverage their own uh, uh egotism against them um to just scam the whole earth and i i admire this behavior i don't know what to tell you I don't know how she figured out how to do that. Like, it's really impressive. I mean, maybe uh-huh. it's not that hard to figure out, and I've just never actually tried. But I think <laughs> I think it's pretty impressive what she uh-huh. does, what she's able to accomplish. It's incredible shit. I think, I think where it gets complicated is when you are challenging, uh, I think, maybe somebody like uh, Rachel, right, her friend, mm-hmm. who, who probably isn't worth – a heck of a lot of money um she's not poor by any right. means but or neff she, she's not the, the the counter girl at the hotel who have a lot of affection or neff. for yeah don't fuck with neff exactly but yeah yeah maybe even neff more so than, than <laughs> yeah, rachel <laughs> because we see her try to build this this business and you know make her film um and she's counting on what she is getting from anna to continue Correct. that work and um you know that's where it gets complicated when uh, she is she is trying to take things from people who don't have a lot. Um, yeah, that's that's the run. That's the line you don't cross. Like you, if you're going to exactly. be Robin Hood, it's a very simple pledge you're making for yourself. You rob for the rich and give to the poor. Um, she Anna Anna Sorkin was technically not well off, so she was almost like a half Robin Hood. Um, but <laughs> I say like if. If the social elite, like the 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 idle rich, um, who are a, a plague on society and bad, um, if they're going to be taken in uh, because someone managed to like hotwire their narcissism, I say good. Um, honestly, the, their their money going towards this scam is really funny, and that serves me better than whatever like circle jerk art collective they're making in the off season. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. So if it's going to be like finance bros and startup douchebags that get swindled by this person, all the better for it. Anna Sorkin for president, good for you. Um, <laughs> but let's let's get into the show proper, my friend. So what did you know about? this story before you started watching the show so me i knew nothing great well i guess we had just um we had just sort of understood a little bit more about the story through through like a very brief documentary i think it was on american greed or something like that and yes uh, that's when i saw that one as well yeah uh, and so we we watched that, and we had I think we had seen the first episode of the show, but then American Greed was playing, and so we sort of watched that, and then continued on in the show. So we had gotten a little bit better understanding. Uh, I think Jason said like he had read the article when yeah. it came out. I had not. I had very little context to this, um, and so I was googling, googling these photos of the real Anna Delvey, and I was like, "Wow, this is just fascinating." Um, and so I was really coming to the story as it was uh, being told to me through through the TV show. Sure, uh, I kind of like the angle of it being told through the woman who is writing who's writing that article. Okay. Um, they try to they try to make it uh, a little bit about her story as well, which I think is unnecessary <laughs> i think that this is show correct. is really really <laughs> about anna and you know i love that she's trying to have a kid and 
<laughs> trying to focus on her work. And cool. there's definitely <laughs> something very interesting about that, but on a different TV show. This is Anna's uh -huh. story. Like, let's just <laughs> tell it. I am so sorry you had to commute to Rikers every day, um, but I don't need to see you getting on that bus again. Uh -huh. Like, I just want more scenes with Anna in them. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's that's the fireworks factory. We got to drive by there at least once an episode. So it, yeah. it's curious, and I texted you about this the other day, that uh, there are, like, Two two of my favorite prop media properties about female scammers uh, came out a couple years apart. That is, of course, Hustlers and Inventing Anna. And mm -hmm. uh, they both feature uh, one of my least favorite narrative devices, which is journalists goes to investigate, etc. <laughs> as a, like a narrative way into the story about far more interesting people doing their shit. And both of yeah. those women, both of those journalists are portraying the same real life journalist who wrote both of these articles. And good oh, for you, girl. Hilarious. Honestly, that's its own scam in its own right. You've scammed Hollywood into thinking <laughs> this is something movies should do. Uh, as a narrative device, it doesn't work. I, I I love Julia Stiles and I love Anna Klumsky very, very much, and they mean the world to me. This is something movies don't have to do, and no one will ever hear this who can affect change in a uh, movie or TV production. You don't have to do that. It's the least <laughs> interesting part of your show. It's dead weight. Um, and, and it also raises this question of like, so when they get to the newsroom and she goes to the old folks home, they have a nickname for it. I can't remember right now. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. The dead letters office, we'll call it whatever the case may be. And you have Terry Kinney, Jeff Perry, and Anna fucking Devere Smith there. To <laughs> three of my favorite character actors. I, I love seeing them pop up and shit. Uh, and you have them there to deliver like a couple lines an episode. That's also, that's the same kind of malpractice we see on the Gilded Age. Give yeah, TV productions sure. less money. Let them afford exactly one Anna Devere Smith. So you got to use the hell out of her. That's that's my take on this. Anyway, I, I yeah, I couldn't agree more, which is uh, funny because so many of the cast that is in the in that group of writers or like older writers that are being exiled to this back part of the uh, the writer's room uh, are from Grey's Anatomy, which is probably you know, not saying a lot because there's been 11 seasons of that now. <laughs> there's been many yeah. Every actors actor on that has show. been there. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but many of these actors played through line characters. So they were on for several seasons um, and are still on on occasion playing people's parents or whatever. Um, so that's kind of fun if you're a Shonda Rhimes fan. <laughs> Like mm -hmm, myself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a special thing. This is the this is the first project of what is being referred to as Shondaland, and it was also the first time I had seen right after the Netflix logo, like the bong faded out. There yeah. was the Shondaland logo, uh, which is incredible. oh, you haven't seen Shondaland logo? No, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, so okay, again, this is this was a, a Jesse's pick episode. Uh, this was like I just cleared out. And she's playing ISO ball right now. So these were Jesse choices. Um, we've done so many for me and so so little for her. Um, but I am like, I think it's great that so that the moms of America has so much to love. Um, I think that the moms <laughs> yeah. of America are an underserved population. I love them. You got to give it up for the moms. And Shonda Rhimes has been an absolute godsend for this subset of uh, subset of people. I'm so happy for all of them. And I it it, it doesn't look like anything to me. Um, it just completely bounces off me. That's fine. I'm not the demographic. I understand this. Um, but I had never seen like it, it's just 
it it's the first time I've seen a production company logo after the Netflix logo. I'll say that for a Netflix That's original. Cool. I, well, what a it means something because she has built she an empire. So right. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She's a huge deal. And this has been a long-awaited like, kind of partnership between her and Netflix. She signed a deal for, I don't know, a trillion dollars a few years ago. And this is the first show we're getting out of that deal. And you yeah. can see like the, the, the production is extraordinary on this in terms of value, right? So you have a ton of people, many of whom I've not even gotten to yet. I'm a couple episodes in. Um, but there are like world-class actors who have not even appeared in the show yet. And I'm very excited to see how they play out. But yeah, they just gave her the world. And uh, it's a very interesting choice of subject matter for your first project, I think. Yeah. So uh, I think that um, what was really interesting um, about the documentary specifically is with when Anna Delvey was on trial for her crimes, um, right. how she paid for mm-hmm. the representation in the trial. And one of the, the really big interesting moments about the trial was the outfits that she wore. She hired a stylist yeah. to style her. <laughs> it was almost like a, I'm in here for stealing money and I'm still doing it while I'm in prison. Kind uh-huh. of fuck you to the world. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, she paid for that, or at least in part, with a Netflix advance for yeah, her correct. story. Yeah, um, she gets, she gets life rights to this too, buddy. Everybody's making money here. Fabulous! How, how fucking cool is that, though? Like, <laughs> oh my god, Anna, so smart. Uh-huh. Uh, I was blown away by that. <laughs> and then it's incredible I think- behavior, and I, 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 it's weird to see like this. To know out there that there's this real life Tasmanian devil of spending money. Yes. Uh, someone who's just like tearing through life with reckless abandon and just spending every last cent and just continuing, despite the fact that the world knows she's a scammer. Like the people who matter in her world know that she's a scammer and she just keeps on fucking scamming. I, I don't. I don't know what kind of behavior that is. It's pathological to be sure, but really fascinating shit for a human to behave this way with such a spotlight on her after all this time to Uh continue the exact same behavior um, with the single pursuit in mind. And she says it in the show many times. She resents being called a socialite. She believes in her vision. Absolutely. Uh, yes, and wants she to be taken seriously. Believes that every single piece of this puzzle is for the good of the people. Yes, <laughs> you know? she incredible shit. She believes this. Uh, it's amazing. And <laughs> from the outside perspective, like uh, I don't know if you've gotten to the scenes where they're in Morocco yet, but it no. is. Um, it is just fascinating because you mm-hmm. see all of these red flags before they even get to this uh-huh. this country, and then they're in this country, and you're like, "Oh shit! Like, what are you going to do? You have to. Your safety is at risk, you know. Correct. And you are you are prioritizing your friendship with this person who you don't know." Um, because of whatever reason you want to stay friends with her because she's rich and she can buy mm-hmm. you pretty clothes or um, you actually believe her friends or whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. And she, you know, her friend uh, is is literally risking her, her safety. Uh, yes. After a while, she obviously doesn't. Um, she definitely <laughs> makes the right decisions and GTFOs. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But um, it's just, it's a fascinating watch. Uh, and then when she is, when Anna does get herself into trouble and she runs into a wall or the money runs out, how she becomes this different person. Uh, yes. Emotionally volatile, um, you know, this is how she reacts when she's put up against the wall. Um, and that is very fun to watch in a character study in a show like this one. Um, let's talk about Julia Garner for a moment. Let's talk She's about playing, it. Yep. Playing Anna Delvey. Julia, I don't know from anything except for mm-hmm. the fact that she was in a number of Kate Spade ads way back when and <laughs> as her. a model. And she was in Ozark. Those are my yep. connections to her. Mm-hmm. Um what about yours? Yeah, but she was also in the assistant last year, um, giving one of the one of the best performances of the year. That this was the 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 movie that was basically an allegory for the Harvey Weinstein thing, told from the perspective mm, of this I didn't uh, see that. this low level assistant. It's it's good. She's phenomenal in it. Now, she's a wonderful young actor, and uh, I I I've liked her in what I've seen of Ozark. I will I will never watch Ozark. I think it's boring. Come at me. Uh, the people in my life who uh, fruitlessly try to get me to watch Ozark, I never will. Fight me, coward. I'm never going to fucking watch <laughs> Ozark. Get out of my life. I, I have um, never seen it either. But th- that's fine. Um, but I, I, I think it's quite boring. Anyway, uh, but she's great. And here, here's the thing about her performance as Anna Delvey. She's doing... A, a bit too much. I think we've discussed yes. this briefly because uh, both you and I had the same reaction of seeing her performance. And uh, I saw a clip of her explaining how she arrived at her accent work and stuff she's doing here. Uh, and I don't think it fully takes away from her performance. However, uh, in in looking up clips uh, and interviews with Anna Sorkin, uh, she's not that big. Uh, she may have been putting more on it. She may have been like gilding the lily a little bit more when she was just with that, her people, absolutely. her rich cohorts. But uh, uh, Julia Garner is doing more accent work than she needs to. And it can occasionally get a little bit distracting. Um, there, nevertheless, agree. the rest of her performance is really stunning. I think she's really wonderful. Um, yes, as definitely. just this, this like mean little Hannibal Lecter Terminator. <laughs> yes. Really, really good. Um, yeah. You know, like, complete psycho um, who is just has her heads up display scanning with laser robot vision all of the weaknesses and insecurities of everybody in the room with her completely Uh understand this and she's really good at it yeah I agree the accent is is slightly too much Um, (laughs) it's a bit big yeah it's it is very large and I did the same thing I watched I watched interviews of the real Anna Delvey um, and it is very interesting because she is not as big. And part of you is like, wow, it, it makes you appreciate her more watching interviews of the real Anna Delvey because you're like, people believed this person, right? you know, because she isn't quite as maybe larger than life than maybe she sort of seems in the show. Um, of course. And, uh, you know, obviously we weren't there and we didn't interact with this person. (laughs) No. But um, (laughs) there was something about her. And to me, from an outside perspective, I can't understand what it was. Um, Yes. And I I don't – they – the show kind of goes out of its way. Like, like the show understands on a base level that this person is wildly unbelievable and extremely sketchy. Uh, (laughs) Everything you hear about her is like, how did – how did she get away with it? Was it just that the people who run in these circles are so insecure about their position in these circles mm-hmm. and their lack of, 
I don't know, their lack of value to the world. They feel like they're always trying to strive to get behind another velvet rope. Um, is it is all it takes to dupe these people one mean girl? Is, is that right. it? It, right. if, if if one person is just kind of bitchy and catty about the art that you like, is that enough to overthrow your entire dynasty and throw all your money behind this person and go broke and trying to support her? Is that like it? Like a great example of that is the lawyer guy, Alan Reed or something like that. Okay. This guy to me is, you know, probably a smart dude is maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe uh-huh. that was too too generous of me to say, but like has been in the business for a while, right? Sure. Has gotten there however he's gotten there. And this young girl walks in and he's just like, yeah, okay. Okay. How, I buy how? It. Exactly. How did he get there? <laughs> like, I don't um, know. And, it, and so much is made of like, because in the first couple episodes, which it, are all I've seen, I'm sorry, I've not gotten to Alan Reed yet. I support your take on it 100%. Um, <laughs> but so much is made of like how she had this chameleon-like ability to be different people for different people. Like mm-hmm. whoever she could she could feel that they needed or would trust or would aspire to be like and try to like bring out their best selves and manipulate. Um, but like the writing gag for the Anna Delvey thing was that like kind of her hair always looked like shit which is not something that that rich people suffer from um that she was never quite pointed off um and is is the show telling us that these people are so embarrassed by having been taken in that they're lying about how convincing she was that they're so like they don't want to be seen as someone who could have uh let their guard down with in manners of good taste in high society it's a little muddy and maybe the show clears it up as it goes on but it, the 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 motivations of those, the duped it doesn't okay it, great it, it, how the fuck did she do this that's part of the fascinating part of the story is i don't think it really does clear those things up and even when you watch the uh, sort of pseudo documentary of american greed it doesn't clear those things up at no. all no <laughs> it's baffling baffling yeah well well i think and i, I i've not seen it either Again, I, I've I've achieved my perfect form. I'm a reader now. Uh, I've abandoned <laughs> the have. world of television. So uh, I've, I've heard a lot of takes about the Tinder swindler as well. Something kind of spiritually aligned with why people would watch Inventing Anna's. Same reason yes. they might watch this. Um, but the stories I hear are people like liquidating their bank accounts to help yes. this slightly like okay looking, slightly charming guy uh, that they met on a dating app. Human beings are profoundly lonely i will i will grant them that mm. um and never never more lonely than they are right now at this very moment but even before the pandemic people were profoundly lonely uh and this is a this is a show that very very poorly written sci-fi has made a number of times um but people want human connection so desperately that they'll believe almost anything but there are so many red flags with this woman that right. i i don't it, it kind of strains credulity, except it really happened. It really happened to these people. They were very exactly. much taken in by this. And I think that is what, you know, I, I will certainly watch the end of this miniseries. I have not seen it 
either. I've not seen the whole thing either, but I will certainly finish it because the curiosity is so yeah. there. Not not necessarily even because of the writing of the show or the show itself, but because of the fascination around this person who duped mm -hmm. all of these people. You Incredible just shit. want to know more about why. And that is great. Um, mm -hmm. So I think some other honorable mentions in the show, Laverne Cox plays, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the actual character's name, but she plays one of Casey the friends. Duke. Yeah. Casey Duke, uh, which is mm -hmm. one of the friends of Anna. And uh, Laverne only gets better as you go through the show. Uh, I mean, Laverne's gets, great. Just like what a fine she was. Yeah. Of um, course, and, and her part gets bigger and you, you see more of her. And um, she plays a, a fantastic character in the show. So definitely mm -hmm. worth the watch um, for Laverne Cox. Uh, I don't know Katie Lowe's from anything necessarily. Right. Um, but you know, she, she plays a fine Rachel, um, <laughs> she, she fits the bill and she does it yep. great. Um, you can't, Anna, you can't have Neapolitan without vanilla. That's what I say. Exactly. Right. Um, there we go. Anna Chum, Chumsky. Is that how you say Anna, it? Anna Klumsky. Chums Klumsky. Are you, are you trying to tell me that you don't know goddess of early nineties, young adult cinema, <laughs> Anna Klumsky? Are you telling me that? Um, I do know that she was in a movie with Macaulay Culkin. Um, and that movie was seen. My Girl, and it's an eternal classic. <laughs> it is an eternal classic. <laughs> uh, avoid the Bumble Bees. Did um, you watch, you, did you never watch Veep on HBO? I never watched Veep. Th that's a show I think you would dig quite a lot. Uh, yeah, just like it's been on my list. Joke machine sure. comedy. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely worth checking out. Some of the best comedic performances of this century all happened on Veep. That's, and she's one of them. She's phenomenal on that show. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome yeah. to know. Um, yeah, I think she does a fine job for the job that she has to do in this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in this television show uh perhaps yeah, it is what least, it is yeah my least favorite part of it uh, uh -huh. unfortunately but definitely a vehicle to drive the story um <laughs> well so. yeah imagine like so you're you're the journalist that breaks these two incredible stories about hustling stripler uh hustling stri strippers and striplers uh i can't get enough of them personally and uh <laughs> A and Anna Delvey. And then uh, in the first movie, pre you're pretty favorably uh, portrayed. You're you're not a yeah. focal point of the movie at all. You're just like this nice lady that they're bouncing the story off of. Uh, and in this one, you're just this schlubby, pregnant, shithead <laughs> journalist. Uh, so I texted you like baffled a couple times last night. Like, why is everyone doing this person's job for her? Why it, Why do these 60-year-old people in the newsroom have to tell her to check this person's Instagram? Uh, <laughs> I know. How has she not looked at the Instagram? Uh, the first thing I did was <sighs> go to her Instagram account. Of course <laughs> you did. Because you have the basic internet sleuthing that is inchoate to people our age. You, you have <laughs> to know to do that. Yep. That was pretty sad. Uh, and anyway, I think so it's a thankless said, job. Yeah. Yeah. Relying on her coworkers in the back to write, you know, help get information and write this story for her. Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. She, like, yeah. She was on the bus to Rikers. That is correct. She also, are we meant to believe that, okay, 
in order to secure the story, she convinced this woman, criminal though she may be, I guess, not to take a plea deal that was decidedly in her favor. Is that what we're meant to believe? And did the journalist in real life sign off on this? Is that what happened? Because that is so fucked. That is so fucked. I and that's know. journalistic. <laughs> that's so bad. Like, why? Uh, like, what scruples can you lack? Like, I, I would be very angry if I were the journalist the, the being portrayed whole, on this show. <laughs> yeah, the whole plot point about her and the lawyer wanting and the, lawyer. Uh-huh. the client to not take the deal because he wants it for some, he wants to prove himself as a lawyer uh, for whatever uh-huh. reason because he's part of, he married into a lawyery family and wants to Great. prove himself. And uh, all respect and then, to Ariane Moyed, Stewie from Succession, and never yep. not happy to see him pop up and shit. Great. Absolutely. And uh, Station Eleven gal, um, uh, I can't remember her name, but oh, uh, uh, his uh, wife. Uh, uh, <laughs> she sure does. Uh, <laughs> I will find it eventually. Keep going. Yep. So she's also, I was telling Jason, I was like, wow, she's been in what, three television shows this year? Uh, yeah, Caitlin Fitzgerald. Yeah, she's she's mm. absolutely crushing it. Caitlin Fitzgerald will happily step in uh, to, to fill in the, the, the shoes there. Uh, she's great. She's great on Succession in a very yep. small role. She's wonderful on Station Eleven. Yeah, more Caitlin Fitzgerald. Uh, like, yeah. I'm happy that they're further building out this roster of like new prestige, te- prestige television stars, and I'm happy to see a lot of them returning and stuff we like absolutely so uh so yeah so we see this lawyer trying to prove himself wanting his his client to not take a deal which is clearly even he knows is the thing that she should do and this journalist basically saying i don't think she ultimately convinces her not to do it but she definitely asks her questions like uh-huh. why would you take the deal or you know mm-hmm. what are you hoping to get out of it that are sort of leading in that sense she plays like, her yeah she yeah. plays her. yeah um because she wants to pursue the story and it's not a story if it's it's not in you know in court or, or a big deal <laughs> um, so I definitely think that was a fascinating plot point and probably a very fictionalized part of this show. I uh, would fucking particular. hope so. Because uh, <laughs> I think I think that that journalist would have actual legal grounds to sue for defamation uh, in this case. <laughs> if, they, if they suggested that she did this when she did not, it's incredible shit. There's also like the lingering hint that she had had a story she reported on about yeah. this like college age crypto guy who claims to have made like tens of millions of dollars. That's a real life story that turned out not to be true at all. That kid just made that shit up. So <laughs> So it, it stands to reason that this real life journalist is maybe not the, the definitive uh, writer of her time or era. Um, nevertheless, like did her dirty with this shit. Uh, uh-huh. If, uh-huh. I'll want to find out more about that anyway. Yeah. And, and you do. Uh, okay. <laughs> you find out more about it. And I don't know if the story that they tell in the show is the truth. So I think that would be fascinating to find out. As sure. Well, so um, anyways. I think Inventing Anna is definitely worth the watch if you're looking for, sure. for a fun show. You want to learn more about this seemingly crazy person uh, <laughs> who just goes for it. Um, I think it's worth it. I I would say watch it. I have fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, it's to the point where it's fun enough subject matter where I have some like real gripes with the storytelling decisions with the filmmaking with the the like how they use some of this extraordinary cast that they have and really mm-hmm. i'm gonna still keep watching this shit because it's a great story and i love it hell yeah 
Got him. (laughs) (laughs) We did it, buddy. We landed that damn plane, didn't we? We sure did. So that was that was International uh, Women's History Day, uh, brought to you by Showstoppers, um, a, the show that loves and respects women. Trademark twenty twenty two. So, uh, is the next episode we come out with going to be our Oscars Travaganza twenty twenty two? Probably. When are the Oscars? Right. Even? The the twenty second of this month. Uh, we're oh, recording wow. this okay. on what the eighth, and we're not. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to give us you know kind of an easy out on this one if we hit them with an episode in between this and the oscars honestly bully for us Uh, yes we did it (laughs) there is tv out there i started watching winning time last night the story of the la lakers which is very interesting Mm -hmm. um severance on apple tv plus has been a really fun watch so far and that's kind of right up my alley in a lot of important ways but in case we don't we will see you next time for what is guaranteed to be the best bang for your buck, hour and a half, whatever <laughs> you can spend your time doing, which is our completely unhinged, likely recorded well after work like we're doing tonight. It's 11-11 in the, in the goddamn evening right now, Jesse. This is way <laughs> too late That's how committed me. we are to this podcast. <laughs> but when you, if you could have seen me like sadly housing two granola bars before we, before we recorded this thing, just so I could run on fumes to the end and talk shit about the Gilded Age... Um, um, you would think differently about me as a person. However, never. Uh, what other thoughts do you have? Any other stray thoughts about Gilded Age, Boo, or uh, Inventing Anna kind of fun uh, that we didn't touch on? Uh, there's a lot of great television about fraud out there. Go watch it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, here's to all the scammers <laughs> and, uh, and and hucksters out there. We see you. We love you. You're not alone in this world. Uh, you taught me it was okay to be weird. Uh, I love you so much. Uh, and gang, we'll see you all next time uh, on show. Bye. She don't need no lift in a strip club. No, my girl gone sip. Now she twerking. She throw it out and come back in. Is that my bestie in a testy? Fresh blowout, skin on town, she ready. Bitch, you look good with a T at the end. I'm a hyper every time, not my motherfucking friend. She been down since the jellies and the bobos. Now me stepping out the deep, got my nutlows. When we pull up to the scene, they be filled with jealousy. If a bitch get finicky, she gon' bring the energy. Hit a phone with a T like, bitch, guess what? All the rich ass boys wanna fuck.